Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Northridge Church. I want to welcome those of you joining us here in Plymouth and anybody that might be joining us online. We're really glad that you're here as well. I don't know what memories pop into your mind when you see that intro video, but I know for me and I think for probably all of us, no matter how old or how young you are, you wish you were younger. (laughs) You watch what they're doing and it's just like summer and the dock and all these memories come back and they're doing things that now would hurt but then it's cool. <laughs> and so they're just out there and it just, I don't know if it brought back a memory to you, but it does to me, you know, of those carefree days of summer where anything is possible and everything can happen. And it's just awesome. I found something about myself, and maybe you're the same way, that as I get older, which I know what you're saying, you're like, aren't you still in diapers? Um, as I get older, I realize that... Uh, There's entire seasons of my life that I just don't really remember at all. You ever feel that way? No, I'm not talking about like amnesia, like I woke up and I was 31. But what I do mean is like, there's, if someone was to ask me right now and and hold a gun to my head and say, what were you doing three weeks ago on Tuesday? Pull the trigger. (laughs) I got nothing. You know, I wouldn't be able to pull that out for nothing. And you know, there's, there's, There's seasons like that in our lives that are that way. And and when you're young, it might just be like, I don't remember what I did last week. But when you get older, it's like, I don't remember what I did in my 20s. You know, it's just like that whole thing is a blur. But what's interesting is that at a moment's notice, almost always without expectation, something will happen in your everyday and you will see something, you'll hear something. Maybe you'll smell something, you'll touch something. And all of a sudden, a memory comes out of the file cabinet and jumps into your working memory that is so vivid and that is so right there in the moment that you just feel compelled to tell a story. Has that ever happened to you? I know for me, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I could be driving down the road or something and, and I see a honey-baked ham and I'm just like, did I ever tell you the time that my grandma did a scavenger hunt for her grandkids when I was eight years old? They're like, What? And for some reason, that connected to this, which connected to this, and in a millisecond, I went through 17 connections and got back to my grandma's house in Illinois back when I was a little kid. And it just happens. That honey-baked ham doesn't mean anything to anyone else, but to me, for whatever reason, we had ham. I can't even necessarily connect the dots easily, but it's there. And it showed up, and I couldn't help but talk about it. I don't feel like you're getting me. That's okay. We've come up with a couple solutions to help you uh, come with me here. Um, you guys know what this is, Febreze. Ding. Um, they, they, they manufacture this smell on purpose. And when you spray it, and you <clears throat> it reminds you of clean laundry, like blowing in the summer breeze on the line. I've never hung up laundry in my life. <laughs> but that's what I think about. I don't know. You guys with me? Maybe front row. You'll get it. You'll get it. Um, I don't know. Maybe that one's not it. Okay, let's try a different one. All right, everybody close your eyes. Go ahead, do it. We're not going to steal your wallet. All right, you got your eyes closed now. I want you to answer this question when you hear this song. Where are you right now? Okay, you can cut it. That, 
It's getting weird. Um, most likely, hopefully, if you have an imagination at all, there was some birthday that maybe just popped into your head when you were 13 or when you were 20 or maybe just last week and you were like, thanks for reminding me of that. I'm a year older. But something popped into your head maybe, and it could have been a great memory. Maybe it was a not-so-good memory. Maybe birthdays haven't been the best thing for you. But maybe, hopefully, a memory just triggered in your head surrounding birthdays. Let's try this one. Hmm? Huh? Yeah, for some of you, I hear it in your voice already. Brought back weeping and wailing, (laughs) gnashing of teeth. Or maybe, I don't know. Maybe it brought back excitement and hope that those season tickets are actually going to be worth something. Because that team, hell yeah, right? Come on, we got something going here now. I don't know. We'll see. But maybe it brought back something, or maybe, just maybe, for you and for nobody else in here, it just brought back a game when you were a kid that your dad or your mom took you to, and it just, it brings back memories. And whenever you see that logo, it just comes in and invades your mind. We gave you guys a Tootsie Roll when you walked in today. Some of you already ate it. Some of you immediately left and walked in a different door to get another one. But if you you just go ahead and open that thing up right now and pop that thing in your mouth, if you're diabetic, please just disregard what I just said. Um, Let me start chewing that. Chances are it brings back a memory. Might be a memory of approximately 20 minutes ago when you ate the first one. But... It brings back a memory. For some of you, you haven't eaten a Tootsie Roll in years because, quite frankly, they're not really that good. But you're eating it now, and maybe it triggers a memory. They say taste and smell can actually bypass our, our, our normal conscious memory and just go straight into the file cabinet on its own. I remember the time I was talking in front of a big group of people when I put candy in my mouth and then had to chew it up before I could continue. That was kind of recent. I don't know. that worked for anybody? Well, I know some of you, you just have to touch it. You know, you're, you're a tactile type person. So let's try one more. You guys go ahead with that one. If everybody had a notion across the U.S. Front row right now is going, what's happening? Then Don't worry, it's coming. Like California. You see them wearing their baggies. Some of you right now just went back to a concert last summer that you were in. Some of you, you're reminded of the beach, and everybody wants to get it on stage. (laughs) That's okay. All right, all right. Settle down, children. Settle down. Simmer down. You crazy people. I don't know. Hopefully that worked. If not, then maybe you might want to get checked out, because hopefully by now, we've been able to trigger at least some memory of a past event in your life. Because that's the way our brains work. Though the information isn't always accessible, there are triggers, memory makers, that come into your consciousness and help you remember vividly moments from your past. And what we did over these last few examples is we've uh, tried to do memories that are probably, for the bell curve of you, pleasant. But if we were honest with ourselves, we'd realize that there are a lot of times where we're walking through our day and then all of a sudden we get ambushed by an incredibly painful or hurtful memory. You'll be in a great mood and all of a sudden you smell an all too familiar scent 
or you see something that reminds you of a past experience that has caused incredible damage in your life, that has been hurtful and harmful to you. And that memory floods back. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but for me, I know, those memories always seem to be more vivid than the good ones. They always seem to stick around a little bit longer than the good ones. And they seem to have the ability to affect my day more than the good ones. One of those memories is right here next to me. I made this box with my own two little hands, which is why it's not finished and kind of plain, but I made it for my wife after our second miscarriage. See, my wife and I, we, we don't have the easiest time having children, and it's been a struggle. We struggled for a number of years to try and get pregnant, and then when we started getting pregnant, we started losing our babies. And so I felt like it would be a good idea for us to have a place where we kept all the hospital bands and all the pregnancy tests, all the ultrasounds, that we might remember these children that we didn't have the opportunity to love for very long. But what this box turned into for us was a constant reminder of a, moment, a time and a season in our life that was just so utterly painful, so difficult, so uncertain, so filled with doubt and turmoil and frustration. So we tucked it away. As a matter of fact, when we were talking about doing this story, I had to go and pull it out from where we had put it because it's just not a reminder you always want to think about, but it's also something you never want to forget. But those memories have the ability to invade our consciousness and to wreak havoc on who we are as people. And those are the ones that they show up uninvited. They stick around long past their welcome. And they have the tendency to distort our view of reality and of the world. You see, when you're in a particularly difficult time in life and then one of those painful memories comes flooding back, it can make you believe that your whole life has just been hard. When those difficult memories come jumping into your consciousness, it can make you feel like, man, I just don't get it and I don't understand it. And if you're not careful, we can start applying those feelings to our understanding of God. And we can start looking at our life and seeing a God that wasn't there, a God that broke his promises, a God that just failed to deliver, a God that just kind of seems to be painfully silent. And in doing so, it can rob us of fully recognizing the greatness of our God. Man, when that happens, we miss out. Because I don't know where you are today. I don't even know what you think about God right now. It doesn't change the fact that we serve a great and powerful God. And it's our duty, it's our responsibility, it is imperative that we remember that. But it's so hard. I was really, really pleased to know when I started doing study that I'm not the only one that dealt with this. As a matter of fact, there was a whole group of people called the Israelites that had the same problem. You see, God would do something miraculous in their presence and then they would just forget about his greatness and go on with their lives and get caught up in the the things that were happening right then that were a challenge for them. And so God would send reminder after reminder. As a matter of fact, it started with Abram. 
Abram was the first person God called to be his people. And he said, I will make a great nation out of you. And whoever blesses you will be blessed. Whoever curses you will be cursed. The whole world will receive a blessing through you. And Abram believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, as as holiness. And so he was able to leave his family and his ancestry and go into a land that God had promised him. And it was a long journey. And along the way, things kind of got sidetracked. And the nation of Israel ended up in Egypt for 400 years as it grew into a nation, but as it experienced oppression and slavery. And over that 400 years, they began to forget the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They began to forget this God who had delivered them and had made promises to them about their future and their hope. In steps Moses, and if you remember last week, we talked about the burning bush and how God grabbed his attention through an encounter. And Moses had the opportunity to be implemented and used by God to deliver the people of Israel out of slavery. And so, ten plagues later, the Egyptian country is just in utter disarray and destruction. The Pharaoh allows Moses and his people to leave, and they start trekking out. And around that time, they run into the Red Sea. A huge body of water. And well, they find themselves in a difficult situation because the Pharaoh has a change of heart. He comes after them with all his chariots and whatever army he has left. And they're barreling down on them. And we see the Israelites here. They've got an army behind them and a a body of water in front of them. And then God does something just so incredible. He tells Moses, you know, hey, we're splitting this thing. And boom, the water goes into huge walls and the entire nation of Israel walks across on dry land. And I would like to think at that moment it was pivotal for all involved. And that was the last moment any of them ever had to doubt that there was a great and powerful God that was advocating for them. But you know what? (laughs) Chapter 14 talks about the water being parted. You know what happens in chapter 15? A song that Moses sings, pretty much the entire thing. You know what happens in chapter 16? The people of Israel are grumbling against Moses. Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the desert? Why couldn't we please just go back and be slaves to Egypt longer? And I come to realize, you know what, it probably didn't take a whole lot of faith to step into the Red Sea, because let's just be honest, it's either that or be killed by the Egyptians. So yes, it's miraculous, and yes, it's incredible, but it's either, okay, step forward or die. Okay, this looks good, you know, safest of two opportunities. And so they forgot. And God decided to take them on a 40-year object lesson to help them remember. And a trip that was supposed to take 11 days took 40 years. And God, throughout it, showed them time and time again, I am your provider and your sustainer. All things come through me. We pick up the story where Moses has died, never having stepped foot in the land that God had promised. And Joshua steps up to take leadership over Israel. It's been an entire generation since they've seen the miracle of the split Red Sea and some people have forgotten. And so God says, I want to remind you of how great I am. So we pick up the story right here. In Exodus chapter, I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 3, 14 through 17. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now, I'll stop there for a second. If you don't know what the Ark of the Covenant is, that was God's representation of himself dwelling among his people. That's where God was represented 
So it was holy and it was sacred and it was very, very special to the Israelites because it represented God. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. So not only are they crossing the Jordan to go into the land God had promised them, it's at flood stage, so it's at its deepest and widest that it will be all year. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. Our God is nothing if not poetic. Because there was children that had the opportunity, probably younger than they could remember, to walk across the Red Sea. That in that moment, when they saw those priests, which by the way, had to have been a tremendous step of faith, because they're walking into running water, they stepped in and said, well, you sure? Okay. Shh. All right, let's go. And they stood there. And it had to have been one of those moments where it just came flooding back and they couldn't help it and go, this is familiar. And they walked across and every single one of them got to look at the Ark of the Covenant and the God that was delivering them and showing his glory as they walked across on dry ground. It's hard for us to imagine what that was like, but I honestly like to imagine what it was like for the people in Adam, the city upstream where all the water stopped. That had to have been entertaining, right? They're all like, dude, what's going on? There's water everywhere. What's happening? Oh, the stream stopped flowing downstream. What? Streams go downstream. Why is it stopped? I don't know. It's like just a big wall. I don't know what's happening. What's going on downstream? Israelites are crossing. Oh. How long do you think that's going to take? Things are getting bad up here. I don't know. There's a lot of them. Okay, we'll ask them to hurry up. But it just had to have been amazing for them as well to see God doing such miraculous and incredible things. The River Jordan isn't supposed to stop, and I'm not sure it ever has since. It's just not supposed to do that. But yet God said, listen to me and understand. I'm the God that stops rivers. And then God does something that I think is just so awesome. It's so important for us to notice. I want you to read it right out of the scripture. Joshua 4, 1 through 3. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. You know, this is happening. I imagine that the priests are standing there like, all right, that's the last of them. Let's go. And Joshua's like, whoa, 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 hold up. We got one more thing. They're like, dude, I don't, okay. Water stopped. We trust you. God obviously is working through you, but okay. You know, and he's like, I need 12 volunteers, one from every tribe. Yeah, you, you, you. No, you guys are from the same one. You, 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 you. All right, good deal. Every one of you, I want you to go down at the feet of these guys, and I want you to grab a stone out of the dry riverbed. We're going to carry it to where we're camping tonight. So they, they each grab one of these stones, and they just... I'm just kidding. Um, 
they grab one of these stones, they put it on their shoulder, and they start walking. And I imagine they're probably thinking, man, I don't know what's going to happen. This is going to be incredible. It's going to be miraculous. And he's like, I want you to pile the stones over here in a heap. Okay. Cool. Um, Joshua? Why did we do that? And this is what God says through Joshua. We pick up in verse 21. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. And please don't miss these next two verses because they're so important. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord your God. See, God recognized that we have a forgetfulness problem. He recognized that as great and glorious as he can be, we remember it for a moment and then forget it for a lifetime. And he said, listen, I know what's coming. I know I'm leading you into battle, into war, and there will be losses and people that won't come back. And it's going to be hard. And there are going to be moments when you are going to doubt what's going on here. And you're going to wonder why you left. And you're going to wonder if God is still with you. And when that day comes, you march yourself right back to Gilgal where you parked that one day and you look at that pile of stones and you understand that the God who stopped the Jordan is the God who is with you right now. And then he said, listen, there's gonna come a day when all the fighting is over and you will find peace and abundance and prosperity the likes of which your people have never known. And it's going to be so easy for you to forget what happened here today. And someday you're going to be wandering around, playing in a field somewhere near the Jordan River, and your kids are going to stumble upon a pile of rocks, and they're going to say, Dad, what's with the rocks? And it's in that day that you will tell them, we crossed that river on dry ground because the God that we serve, our God, He's powerful enough to stop water. He's powerful enough to deal with whatever obstacles we were facing. And it is he and he alone that deserves the glory for all the blessings that we have. And this is the thing. This is a perfect object lesson for our lives. Because at some point in your life, God has shown up and delivered you. He may not have delivered you from something. He might have actually delivered you through something. And you may not have even recognized that it was him doing it. But in moments of difficulty and pain, it's very easy for us to doubt and believe that God has forsaken us and that he is not there. And in times of prosperity, in times of great abundance, it's easy for us to take credit for God. Because I don't know if you have the same problem I do, but when things are great, I like to say, look at everything that I have done. God, I appreciate the little help you gave me here and there, but that was awesome. Thank you. And things go bad. I go, God, what did you do? Why are you doing this to me? And yet, I must be reminded that my God is there in the pain 
delivering me. And when I don't feel him walking next to me, he's probably carrying me. And in those moments when things are wonderful and good, it is he that has brought me there and he alone that deserves the credit, the honor, and the glory for his power in our lives. But we need to be reminded because so often we forget. For some of you, you're racking your brain right now and you honestly cannot seem to point back to a time that you remember God delivering you through anything. And it's probably because, maybe, not sure, it might be because you haven't recognized him. You've been walking this journey, maybe you've been a part of a church before, a religious organization of some kind, and you've come to church and you've done your time, and you've tried to do the best you can so that God will like you and that he won't smite you behind your back, and that you hope that you can obligate God by doing good things to be good to you, but it just doesn't seem to be working, and somewhere in the back of your mind there you know that there's a disconnect, and you know that the God that everyone else seems to know about, you just don't really have that same personal father-child relationship. And maybe today is your 12-stone day. Maybe today you are here because God has been guiding your steps, walking with you, taking you through every day of your life to get you here so that you might understand that God doesn't hate you. As a matter of fact, God is crazy about you. And God loves you so much that even though you have chosen to go your own way and take control of your own life and do what you think is right in your own eyes, even though he has told us differently in the Bible, he loves you so much that he will not let the penalty of sin rest squarely on your shoulders instead. He chose to send his son Jesus, one and only Jesus, one and only son of God to come to this earth and to live a sinless and perfect life so that when he died, he could die as a perfect sacrifice for my mistakes, for your poor choices, for our mess ups and rebellion so that we would have a right relationship with him and that we could spend eternity with him in heaven. You see, it's nothing that we earn, it's something that he gives. And I do not doubt that today, either right here in Plymouth, joining us online, you're experiencing that right now. And I want to take just a moment, I've still got plenty more to share with you, but I want to take just a moment right now to allow God to work with you one-on-one. Would you do me a favor, would you bow your heads, would you close your eyes? For some of you, this is your moment, this is your time. Years from now, you're going to be telling the story of when they brought beach balls into church and gave you a snack halfway through. Because that was the day that God became real to you and you chose to accept his son Jesus as your savior. It's such a simple thing. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not an easy thing. But it's such a simple thing. Do you realize that you need Jesus? Do you realize that you can't do it without him? That you're lost without him? Do you believe Jesus died, that he rose again so that you could have eternal life? Will you trust him to be your savior today? Will you invite him in to be your God? If the answer to that is yes, just pray with me right now. You don't have to pray out loud. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to pray these words. Make them your words because it's important that you believe it and that you talk to God. But you can say something like this, God, I realize I've messed up and I can't fix it on my own. But I believe your son Jesus came to earth, lived a sinless life, died and rose again so that I could have eternal life. 
And God, the best I know how, right now I am inviting you into my life to be my Savior, to be my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. As we pause in this moment before we continue on, if you made the decision to trust Jesus, we don't want you to sit around and and forget about it. We don't want this to be something you remember in the moment and forget for a lifetime. We want this to be a catalyst for you. And we realize you probably have a lot of questions. So what we did is we took our program and added a connection card to it. You can rip this off, fill out the information on it, and there's a little box that says, today I prayed to receive Jesus in my life for the first time. It's right here. If you're joining us online, you just click the What's Next tab, you'll get the same information. We want to send you some information, a CD that our pastor Brad has done to help you get going in this journey, in this relationship with God. If you haven't gone through starting point yet, man, I just can't tell you enough how awesome that environment is. We'd love to invite you into that too, to start or restart your relationship with him. But what do we do with something like this? What are we supposed to do in light of this new or reminded information in our lives? How do we apply this in a way that it can transform us from the inside out? There's a couple things. One, we need to go back and remember. We need to remember the times when God has delivered us. We need to realize and understand that those moments are important. And God gave them to us. One incredible reason he gave them to us is so that we could tell them. Be reminded, set reminders, figure out ways in your home, on your window, on your mirror, in the bathroom, on your dashboard, on your desk at work, things that remind you of who God has been in your life. Lord willing, everybody in here has a story of when they came to know Jesus. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time you told that story? We have a Facebook page for Northridge. I would love for you to just fill that thing up with your stories. That'd be a good start for you to get it going and then go and tell your, your, your roommates. Go and tell your community. Go and tell the little league group. Go and tell the people you meet with on Tuesday mornings. Go and tell your coworkers. Go and tell your family because God gave you that story, one, so that it would strengthen your faith and two, so that the world would know the greatness and power of God. How will they know if we don't tell them? And God has given you a unique place with a unique group of people and a unique story to touch the hearts and lives of people for the glory of God. Don't keep it to yourself. When that pile of rocks jogs a memory with boldness and strength in your heart, share with them how God delivered you. And watch as faith has grown and as people begin to know. I can't think of a better example of this than the story I started by sharing this box with you. In August 2006, my wife and I had experienced a lot of heartbreak in trying to, to get and stay pregnant, to grow our family. And we... We were just spent. So I remember I was the middle school director here in Rustproof, and I sat down with my leadership team. Me and Amanda were there, and we just said, you know, we just want to let you know what's going on in our lives because we're taking a break from it, but it's, it's, it's weighing heavy on our hearts, and we just need you to bear this burden with us. 
And they sat and they listened very, very compassionately. And one of them stood up and said, Josh, can we pray for you? Being the pastor that I was, I said, yes. Wish that had been my idea. But God gives us people we need when we need them, doesn't he? And as if that wasn't uncomfortable enough, he said, well, we'd like to pray for you right now. Okay. So he stood up and the rest of them stood up. And they all gathered around me and Amanda and put their hands on us. And began to pray. <laughs> the end of it, I was a mess. Amanda was a mess. I think everybody was a mess. It was just such a beautiful display of, of God's compassion expressed through his people. And we just felt loved in the moment. And later on that month, my wife and I decided to go down to Georgia for my brother's wedding. And we just wanted to have a good time and relax. And it was actually my wife's birthday, August 30th. She woke up and she took a pregnancy test just because that was, you know, the pattern. That was habit. She didn't even stick around to look at it. She just kind of set it there on the counter and left. And I got up and I was kind of bleary-eyed and going to the restroom and I, I, I looked down and There's just an ever so faint line. I was like, oh my goodness, my wife is pregnant. And so I had the distinct honor of uh, telling my wife that she was pregnant. <laughs> now, listen, listen. You would expect in that moment for it to be a, a moment of cheer and celebration and excitement. But for those of you that have been through this, and I know there's a lot of you that have, pregnancy didn't mean celebration. Because there's a part of you that just wants to cheer and there's a part of you that goes, oh. because you know this path leads to where you want to go, but it is fraught with potential heartache and heartbreak all over again. And you just wonder in your heart, do you have what it takes to go through it? So we began to pray every day. And before we went to bed, we'd place our hand on Amanda's womb and say, God, please protect this baby. It was nine months later, two days after my birthday, on May 13th, 2007, which incidentally was Mother's Day. Well, I'll let you see it. tell that little boy's story until the day I meet Jesus. And he is going to get so sick of hearing it. 
But that is the best picture I have of the greatness of God. And it's not because God answers every prayer that I ask for. It's not because I can go through some special ritual and obligate God to my beck and call and what I want him to do. That's not how it works. But in this moment, at this time, God chose to display his glory by giving us that little guy. That is the glory and the greatness of God because this is the bottom line. My God is able. And he may not, but it's not because he can't. And if he says yes, nobody can say no. And if he says go, nobody can say stop. And he will give whatever he chooses to give because he is the most powerful and the most good and the most incredible. you know what else? As I've grown older and gotten more mature, I've begun to realize that this box holds a very special meaning as well. Because sometimes God doesn't choose to give us delivering grace. He chooses to give us sustaining grace. See, my wife and I haven't gotten pregnant again since Ethan was born five years ago. We have a football team if God let us. Every single day that I get to tuck that little boy into bed at night, I realize that God gives me the strength and the power and the grace to glorify his name without. And that, as much as the story of Ethan, points to the glory of God. Some of you are here right now and you have walked away from faith because you are angry. And in your mind and heart, you have every reason to be. And you know what? I don't know your story. You probably have one that pales or that makes mine pale in comparison. And you say, if you knew my story, you wouldn't be saying what you're saying. I can't tell you that because I'm not in your shoes. But what I can say is that you're here now. And God has moved you through it. And in those times when it felt the worst, God was with you the most. And when I look back at these times of turmoil, I realize that I was never closer to God than when we prayed and cried together and allowed him to carry us when we couldn't do it ourselves. Some of you need to come back to God today. Some of you need to recommit your life to him and realize that he has been carrying you through this valley and that dawn is coming. In the meantime, he will sustain you for his glory. He wants you to share it. He wants you to tell it from the rooftops because your faith will be stronger. And his name will be famous. And the world will know that not only is our God alive, he is active, he is personal, and he is crazy about us. And we will see the world turn to him as we tell his story over and over again. My challenge for you today is that at some point during this time together, a story has popped into your mind. It was probably during the least expected time, during something that never should have triggered a memory, but did. And you've got a story on your heart. Can I challenge you before the week is out to find a way to share it? 
so that your strength, your faith can be strengthened and so that other people may know the glory of God and see how those two things come to pass. Our God has, is unforgettable. He has unforgettable greatness. And he has an unforgettable plan for your life if you will recognize, be reminded, and see how really and extraordinarily, unforgettably great he is. See you next week.